वेलकम टू सिंह टॉक Sin talkers around the table today discuss the ghosts and poltergeists. We'll think about the phenomena of specters, ghosts, poltergeists as themselves and as a metaphor. We shall use ideas from literature, particularly from Shakespeare, literary studies, philosophy, films, and cultural studies. We'll wonder what is the purpose of ghosts. Why do ghosts exist even if in our imagination? How does the idea of ghosts question ontology? What is the mode of the presence of the ghost as neither present nor absent and neither dead nor alive? Is the uncanny a juxtaposition of the familiar with the unfamiliar? And what is the future of the idea of ghosts? We are very pleased and privileged to have two Sin Talkers with us here today. Professor Shormishtha Panja, who is a professor in English at Delhi University and specializes in Renaissance studies, visual culture, and gender studies, and Dr. Shubhadeep Sinha, who is broadly interested in the idea of the human and non-human, and how philosophically this difference can be challenged. He teaches at the University of Minnesota. Shubhadeep, maybe we set the ball rolling with you. Um, sure. To with with maybe a very quick survey um, of the philosophical ideas around the notion of the ghostly. Um, and why is it an important turn where did that happen what are some key ideas around there maybe we we'll start with there and we'll take it along as we go in contemporary philosophy and critical theory and i'm more specifically referring to the continental philosophy some people would say that there has been a spectral turn mm. that sounds ominous <laughs> <laughs> so if you ask me to mark the beginning of this recent spectral turn i would say it started with derrida's the original publication the specter the marks in 1993 which gets translated uh, into english as the specters of marks in 1994 right so it has been 20 years uh, and that book in a way started a new wave of enquiry and interest philosophical interest in the question of spirit specter and ghosts and of course uh, there have been lot of branchings out of out of that book it's not that people who are interested in the ghostly figures or who are writing about it all of them would agree with deridian philosophy so there has been within the specter studies there has been a process of provincialization i'm not saying provincialization in any negative sure. sense but people who are working in trauma studies are working in racial politics gender studies have increasingly found the figure of ghost or specter a provocative figure 
in understanding various forms of uh, possibilities, multiplicities, uh, and even social injustice and marginalization and writing and thinking about it. So in what sense did, uh, did Derrida think of the Spectre and the Marx and, and Marx together? Mm. I know Firstly, this is the Spectre of Marx. So. Yeah. First of all, there are lots of Spectres in Marx. If especially in the first volume of Capital. The mm. Marx, Marx himself was very interested. He was somewhat more interested in, in sort of getting rid of that ghost or spectral figure. But there are references to Hamlet, a number of Shakespearean plays and other folkloric literature mm. in, in that book. And so from there, it's it's a Derrida tried to revisit and read Marx in his own way, kind of challenging the last 100 years of very rationalist philosophy in arguing that perhaps ghosts are not necessarily an un, unnecessary residue or that needs to be taken out of our, our our philosophical thinking. So there was a sense of necessity driving it. No, right? I mean... I, I, I don't think Derrida wanted to... In a way, yes and no. <laughs> Derrida... For Derrida, it is impossible to think of history. History in its connection with present and future and both ways without thinking through the figure of, of Spectre. Mm-hmm. So in a way for a necessary historicist thinking and that's where I think he was trying to challenge the established idea of historicism. Mm. A kind of temporal switch between these various temporal planes, future, past and present, perhaps simultaneously is necessary. Mm. 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 Uh, But this necessary is also not an essentialist necessity. They either would stay away from that kind of essentialist conclusion. Right, right. Right, and and can we can we take a shot at defining the spectre? What is spectre? What is spectral? Spectre is something that defies definition. If that answers your question, <laughs> that's well defined. <laughs> it it is it is it actually prevents all sorts of definition in in a Derridian sense. Sure. The moment and there, I think the question I think that does ghost exist or what is ghost? Post-structuralist thinking about ghosts would stay away from an answer to these questions because One for them, you yeah. could not reach an yes or no question. Sure. Like you cannot reach a lot of definitive answers when it comes to uh, specter. So specter is something that not only defies definition but also defines theorization. Right. I'm, I know it may sound ironical here we are to talk about the theory and philosophy of Spectre, but the, perhaps the philosophy of Spectre is almost an absence of philosophy. Right. Or right. absence of theory. Right, right, uh, right, right. No, that's very interesting. I think there's some interesting ideas there which we'll uncover as we go, Shubhadeep. Uh, Shodvishta, maybe we jump to you. Um, you. You've been thinking about Shakespeare for many years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In what sense and why is there a necessity of there being a ghostly figure and whether it's Hamlet or some of the others? Or maybe you could start at a few levels before that. Yeah. Well, ghosts have uh, been there in classical literature. You know, Seneca has a lot of ghosts. Plutarch in his lives of the Greeks and Romans has 
as uh, ghost visiting Brutus, which Shakespeare adopts in his play, mm. Julius Caesar. But uh, the change that Shakespeare is bringing about is that he adds a sense of wonder to the ghost. You mm-hmm. know, what was happening in kids' Spanish tragedy or in Seneca was that the ghost would come on, would be you know, a bloody figure would make pronouncements, would ask the characters to do something and disappear and maybe come back at the end. Now, what Shakespeare does in Hamlet is that all of Act 1, the other characters are wondering what this creature is. So That, that sense, sense of mystery. Yeah, that sense of mystery, that sense of wonder is what Shakespeare is doing. And mm-hmm. he is doing this as a result of connecting with the native English tradition. Okay. He's not just borrowing the classical idea of the ghost. He is talking in terms of the native English tradition, not just of elves and goblins and spirits. In fact, Hamlet, uh, when he first sees his father's ghost, says, are you a goblin? Oh. You know, are you a goblin or are you a, a, an angel or a healthy spirit? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. He is also tapping into this now outlawed notion of purgatory. The yeah. Roman Catholics believed in purgatory. Yeah, the but, place between earth and heaven. Yeah, but the you know, where people wait to be saved and either go to hell or to heaven. It's a sort of, you know, it's a waiting room, as it were, in the in the afterworld. And he is, uh, a, as one critic puts it, in Hamlet, he has a Protestant Hamlet talking <laughs> to a Roman Catholic father. Why do we say that? Because Hamlet says that the, this ghost has to be either a goblin or an angel. There's nothing in between. Right. There's no purgatory. Right. Whereas his father is saying, I have to stay for a certain time in this place before I can go on. In that time that I'm there in purgatory, although he doesn't mention the term, you Mm. will have to avenge my murder. And Mm. then my soul can, you know, go to heaven or whatever. Mm. The other thing that he's doing is he's, he's making the ghost a substantial person. The ghost is not wearing a winding sheet or a shroud. The ghost is dressed in armor and in the quarto version of the play, when he enters Gertrude's bedchamber, he's actually dressed in his nightgown. That oh. was changed in the folio, but in the quarto, he's in his nightgown. So he's this caring father, this caring husband, this tremendous warrior, even after death. So, you know, he has this 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 sort of so personality. So it's almost a character. Yes, almost yes. And he's there in the dramatist's personae. Mm. You know, oh, is that so? yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the ghost that would be something. It would have been nice to have a Sintoker who was a ghost today. But yeah, yeah. Very int- so, and and how would you think of? I, I know Shubhadeep just mentioned that defies definition. Mm-hmm. What what is spectral for you? Or what would have been spectral? Uh, see, for? if we can just go back to the Derrida Marx uh, bit for a minute. You sure. see what what. Derrida does in his readings of all previous thinkers, you know, Mm -hmm. be it Plato, be it uh, Aristotle, be it Marx, is that he looks at their language and he looks at all the spaces and the spectral ideas that are there that are not finding immediate expression. For example, he latches on inspectors of Marx to this image of the turning table. Mm-hmm. He says this table stands on its head. This table starts talking. What does Marx mean by this table? Mm-hmm. And how is there a chain of signifiers talking about something that can't quite be expressed through words? And he says that this moment of revelation is when the object turns into something other than the object. 
when the object is mystified. So to talk about that process of mystification, Marx is using the metaphor of the turning table. Right. And then, of course, Derrida spins a whole narrative right. from that. And as Shubhadi right. pointed out, he quotes from Hamlet in the process, you know, uh, saying scholars speak to it. You know, he quotes Marcellus talking to Horatio. Marcellus is a soldier. Horatio, mm -hmm. the scholar, is more appropriate to address this being, non-being, simultaneous being, non-being, that is mm. the ghost, you know. And then he keeps using the word out of joint, which is again a quotation from Hamlet. Right, right. Okay, the time is out of joint or cursed spite that I have to set it right, you know. Uh, so that's what Hamlet says soon after seeing the ghost. So, so you know, f uh, to me, Derrida's hauntology, by which he means the ghosts of the past that haunt present culture, mm. is actually his use of metaphor. Mm -hmm. And the way in which he is analyzing previous authors' uses of metaphor to express that which cannot be expressed in words alone. Right, 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 right. That's very interesting. And tell me, I mean, very broadly speaking, in literature, as if one goes as far as back as one would want to, uh, clearly there's a Shakespearean turn of sorts, and hmm. he he does something very different to the notion of the ghost. But was it yeah. more or less uniform prior to that? What's been the journey like? Uh, of the see, from about the 14th century onwards, people actually started believing in specters and spirits. Mm -hmm. But what the Protestant church did was, it said, you know, and there was this Swiss Protestant reformer called Lavatar, who actually wrote a book on, uh, you know, spirits that move in the night. Okay. Uh, what the Protestants are saying is that, look, we are not saying ghosts don't exist. But we are saying that ghosts are not spirits not of dead people. Use. Ghosts are not spirits of dead people. They're the devil in disguise. <laughs> All right. So mm. that's that's the way they're trying to come to terms. So they're with, delinking the concept of salvation. Yeah. In yeah, a way. Yeah. In a yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They're delinking the concept of salvation, and there's you know there's this uh, wonderful instance. See that you know as as uh, Roe, I think no, not Roe. Thomas Lodge puts it that there was this play called Ur Hamlet, which apparently Hamlet was influenced by. I mean, the uh, the Shakespeare was influenced by while writing Hamlet, which mm -hmm. was uh, playing on the London stage around 1589. Hamlet comes out in 1601. Yeah, uh, where Thomas Lodge uh, writes that uh, there was this ghost who cried out like an oyster wife, Hamlet revenge. Now, from that comic ghost crying out like an oyster wife, you have this tremendously uncanny figure of Hamlet's uh, father's ghost. And you can tell how uncanny it when is. When did Shakespeare write Hamlet? 1601, around 1601. That's the we, time it was staged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, around the time. You hmm. see, we, we, one of the ways in which we can, we can date it is because there are references to Julius Caesar. So we know that Julius Caesar, which also deals with supernatural spirits, was written before Hamlet. Sure. And some people conjecture that it was written around the time of his own father's death. Right. And his father wanted, who was a lapsed Roman Catholic, right. wanted certain Catholic rituals to be followed in his burial. Oh. And it was also the time when he lost his only son, Hamnet. 
Oh. Hamnet was the name of his only son. So mm. all these, you know, death is a huge presence. It's not just the and ghost. Shakespeare seems to have played the ghost himself. Yes, Shakespeare played. Uh, that's what Rowe puts it in 1709. Uh, Rowe, uh, poet laureate Nicholas Rowe says the top of his performance was as the ghost in Hamlet about Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> so. Interesting. Interesting. And 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 Shubhadeep, are there other ideas? Are there other ideas? Is there other alternate conceptions besides Derrida? Clearly, there is a spectral turn, so we'll grant it the privilege it deserves, mm, maybe. But Just one thing, like Derrida actually, although this 1993 book is considered the beginning of the spectral turn, but even before, as as Shormishta was pointing out, that he is he was interested in thinking about and talking about this almost unsaid in 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 all the philosophers mm. before him or at mm. least a number of philosophers mm. before him so for the i think even before 1993 1987 derrida writes a book on heidegger called off spirit mm. heidegger and the question of form or question of life mm-hmm. and f- that in that book for the first time heidegger starts talking about about spirit <laughs> and and ghost and mm. there I think some of his questioning of 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 both Freud and Heidegger started from that book onwards. But to come back to your question, yes, like uh, and even Derrida would have definitely been aware of the uncanny by Freud, wouldn't mm-hmm. he? Yes, oh, yes. Uh, definitely. Another, I think, the person who kind of works as an inspiration for Derrida, which I will talk, uh, I wanted to talk about him later on, is is Levinas, who does not explicitly write about the ghost at length but mm. this word called revenant uh, which residue. Trans- yeah which translates as residue some people have the trace say, trace uh, mm. uh, try to read that trace or make an equivalence between that trace and the figure of the ghost something mm. that is dead yet mm. has stayed back mm. right so that levinasian revenant plays i think a significant role for derrida's thinking of uh, of of the specter but uh, to come back to your question as i said that uh, after this a uh, lot of people especially people working in race politics and gender studies mm-hmm. have thought of ghost as as a powerful figure powerful metaphor for talking about the repressed repressed mm-hmm. voice mm-hmm. and right. It's right. not necessary that they all of them would agree with with Derrida, as I, I think mentioned earlier, because they are trying to question the existing body of continental thought and thinking about and trying to argue that when, say, we are thinking about ghosts in African literature or mm. colonial African literature or for that matter, colonial Indian literature, mm. do we need to rethink the Derridian ghost in order to talk about the post-colonial politics. Uh, so, lot of writers to- working in the African-American context, one person that comes to my mind, Avery Gordon, whose book, uh, The Ghostly Matters, mm-hmm. uh, the book has just come out in its second edition, became a major influence for both literary studies and sociology. She's a sociology. And in her preface, she kind of mentions that there is too much of white noise when it comes to discussing the <laughs> ghost and she is specifically referred to a group of uh, European philosophers and mm-hmm. she is saying that uh, my thinking of ghosts does not come from 
reading a book but mm. she's pla- visiting places of violence places of ruins where where this kind of racial politics has played out and trying to argue that how this historically located trauma historically located pain is refusing to leave the psyche or the or the public consciousness of those people and trying to use the figure of the ghost or, or the idea of haunting to think that how this this racial violence has uh, been chasing or have been chasing the american psyche her work is mainly in the context of america mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she is one example uh, african literature there are like one major author called amos tutuola ghosts appear in in his novels so there are uh, people who are trying to read the ghostly figure in the context of the uh, the colonial violence of the colonial history of africa so and they are not necessarily of course derida appears there in their works but there are a lot of uh thinking through derida or appropriation of derida in their in their work interesting and you know why don't we go back to the notion of the trace um of, of Lev- in what sense does he bring that out uh, yeah if i can just connect please. it to the word hauntology shormishta already mentioned it so hauntology as you can as guess that hauntology is a play on the word ontology yeah it challenges that uh, yeah so way. ontology is the study of being and derida argues asks us to kind of discard the word ontology because right. for him every sense of our existence or every sense of our being is always already haunted by by certain things in in past and mm-hmm. what is more interesting in derida this ghost does not always come from the past ghost can comes from the future uh, future's <laughs> ghost Uh, so it's in what a, it's, sense? it's it's a temporal twist it's a temporal mm. it's a temporal twist in what sense in the sense like there is uns- what what would a ghost of the future be yeah if i can just give a very basic Please. example some something that happens to us almost every day or, or or that we are uncertain about about our future and our past is essentially unsettled or or being played with that uncertainty coming from future so so derida would say that don't put push the ghostly figure only onto the past it can there is so, a shadow of the future in the yes, present as well in many ways yes mm. yes and uh, like we are sitting in the city of bombay uh, another person who has specifically used that idea of future of ghost arjun appadurai again a major sociologist sure. thinker of globalization uh, arjun appadurai has a fascinating piece on spectral housing in 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 the city of bombay spectral right. <laughs> yeah where he is looking at this huge number of empty tenements empty apartment buildings lying there and also right. people who inhabit some of them they are scared of losing their houses so this this something that we have we may lose in in near future that's also a kind of ghost and 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 questions or challenges our being here so i think hauntology is is this weird lack of presence that that is uh there is and so what is the thing that that haunts that mm-hmm. is precisely the trace mm-hmm. and there is and his followers would strongly urge us that don't try to 
get hold of the trace. Perhaps you cannot. The moment you can get hold of the trace, it's no longer trace. It has a body. So trace is something that escapes us, yet it does not... Uh, it stops us from settling, settling down or define ourselves, define our history. Define In what sense history. did Levinas use the term? Levinas used the word revenant or and that fits into the broader Levinasian philosophy or thinking about ethics. Because when he's, Levinas thinks about ethics, it's that absolute opening to the other. Mm-hmm. So the revenant figure is that, is, is that other, that, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of connects to or leads to the idea of ontology that that moves us around from our being. So it's not that Levinas talks at length about, it's more sure, commentators sure. of Levinas, somebody like Derrida would pick out that word. Pick that thing out. And, and as Shormishta was pointing out, that perhaps the word revenant is something that that escapes and Derrida <laughs> is interested in finding these 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 phrases or words that might have escaped in the general commentary on on some. I think what's very interesting things. in what you're saying, Shubhadeep, is this notion of the ethical. And and for example, in the Shakespearean ghost, Shormishta, mm-hmm. I mean, are they almost always an ethically haunting figure? Uh, see, there's, I mean, you know, the audience is out on this one. There's <laughs> there's sort of one group that says that Hamlet should never have followed whatever the ghost said. Right. Uh, and there's another group that sees the ghost as an ethical and a moral figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what the ghost is trying to express, because, you know, he's he has seen a crime that has been committed and has gone undetected. Right. So ethics, uh, the ghost in that sense seems to represent a world order in which things are not arbitrary you know in which actions do have repercussions Repercussions. yes in which there is a connection between people so uh, that's very interesting yeah so in that sense you know he he seems to by by asking Hamlet to avenge his death he seems to represent uh, a, a, a non uh, sort of uh, uh, non contingent uh, ethical order, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, an order that has some some basis, some substance. Now, whether Hamlet buys into that is another question. You know, because he is, I mean, uh, you know, his famous lines: "Nothing in the world is good or bad, but thinking makes it so." Right. You know, Hamlet is famously one of the most ratiocinative and intellectual. He's the scholar who's, you know, had an education uh, of all uh, uh, Shakespeare's tragic protagonists. So there is also that, you know, that that sense of two generations coming into conflict, two worldviews coming into conflict. The much more skeptical younger generation that doesn't think that ethics is so easily just a question of avenging, Mm. you know, your father's death. I mean, there are many mm. more sort of complexities in what, what uh, in connotations of good and non-good, mm. you know. But mm. to, to go back to that sense of the, of the trace, you know, when uh, Freud talks about the uncanny in his essay, he uses these two terms, Heimlich and Unheimlich. I, okay. I don't know, I don't know German, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing the words uh, correctly. And he says that Un mm-hmm. is the place where you have repression. 
you know, according to him, the uncanny is trust Freud to do that. Yeah, yeah. You have repression Absolutely. everywhere. Absolutely, <laughs> is is the juxtaposition of the familiar and the unfamiliar. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, suddenly, as he says in that essay, the number forty nine becomes somehow symbolic. You keep seeing the number 49 in a single day and it becomes uncanny through that repetition. Right. It becomes uncanny because it reminds you of other occurrences of that number. You know, that was your locker number when you were in school right. or whatever. And uh, and he says solitude, darkness, these add to the notion of the uncanny. But that whole sense of repression, because this is a connection that you had seen earlier, and now you are estranged from that connection. Yeah. Hence, what was once familiar now becomes unfamiliar. All right. Yeah. And and uncanny. And in a particularly sexist, in his typically sexist way, he connects this. He says that to men, women's genitalia is unheimlich, is mm. uncanny. Mm. Now he never looks at it from the you know woman's point of view. Yeah. You know, what does the woman think of male genitalia? So he says that this is actually a very familiar place for a man because that's where he was born. Yeah. But he has lost that sense of connection. So there's repression. So now, yeah, mm. yeah, there is that repression, and the uncanny is the expression of that repression, you know, uh, coming up. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> and so something entirely unfamiliar would not be uncanny. No, no, no. It would just be strange. It just would be strange. not, yeah, it would not give you that little. You know, prickle up your spine. The yeah, thing. and you know, even if one thinks of artificial intelligence and robotics mm. and so on, the mm. same thing happens there. I mean, the entire notion of uncanny valley, when you start making a robot uh, more and more like you. Yes. It's the most uncanny just before it becomes entirely like yes. you. And it's yes. that's so interesting. Mm. That's so interesting. Um, have you ever experienced this spectral? Uh, well, I mean, I remember you asking me this and I, I mean, I just, you know, you asked me whether I believed in ghosts and I said, I'm an agnostic. I neither believe nor disbelieve because I think that's a radical <laughs> position to have. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I don't think we know enough about the spectral world to actually categorically say we disbelieve. But you can know, it I, be known at all? I mean, would, would um, one? Well, uh, uh, you know, as Shubhadeep said, if it was known fully, it would cease to be the spectral world. Sure. Part of its identity ontology lies in it being lesser known or known only in parts of... Would you link unknown. the notion of the ghost um, to the ideas of magic and um, how, how the two have ebbed and flowed over the centuries? Because uh, somewhere along the way, industrial revolution happens. Somewhere along the way, enlightenment yeah. happens. See, so. uh, as I uh, as I think I mentioned, magic is something that is conjured up by human agency. Yes, and the spectral is not right. Okay, the spectral is beyond human agency. So in that sense, no, there there can be people who who do a magic trick and show you, pretend to show you a ghost, but that's pretend spectrality. Mm. You know, that's not authentic spectrality. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I don't think the two are connected. Uh, I forget which critic. I think it was Stephen Greenblatt. He says that the ghost expresses a yearning to grasp the mystery of history. You know, because the ghost is wow, obviously turning beautiful. turning chronology on its head. 
Yes. All right. The ghost is where it's not supposed to be. Yeah. The ghost belongs to a time where it actually doesn't belong. Yeah. All right. It is a bodiless body, as as uh, Derrida puts it. You know, yeah. not spirit without body, but a bodiless body. Bodiless body. body. Mm. Yeah. So you mm. know, being and nothingness coexisting. Mm. That's that's <laughs> the you know that's the big deal about the about the ghost. So the ghost is trying to make sense of these historical structures you know by being both within and without history it's it's you know as as hamlet's father's ghost is trying to put an ethical pattern on that history yeah you know i have been yeah. killed avenge my murder yeah. all right so that yearning for some sort of meaning in history is you know uh, the what greenblatt sees the ghost yearning after that's very interesting. Yeah. I think the notion of time is coming up time and yeah. again. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It, like, it, as you said, the, the famous line Derrida borrows from Hamlet, time mm. out of joint. Yes. Yes. Time out of joint. Time, so, yes, this, this as I was saying, that, that temporal twist, a, a twist, we, uh, and I think this is coming up again and again, that if you... Sh- ask me or anybody where is the twist i cannot i cannot put my finger on mm. it mm-hmm. but that that twist where all these temporal planes kind of juxt- get juxtaposed with each other without forming a stable another alternative temporal mm. plane that mm-hmm. is where the that is the time of the specter but if I can come to the question that you asked, Shormishta, whether magic and, and specter are they similar? Mm-hmm. They are not. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that uh, that especially during the uh, in the wake of modernity, mm-hmm. some of these unexplainable elements mm-hmm. they get pushed back. They get they are rendered unnecessary. They are rendered something superfluous something not needed within the scope of modernity mm-hmm. is 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 there like magic mm-hmm. is magic mm-hmm. like ghosts yeah. are are connected i yeah. i i remember i think of that famous phrase from weber modernity is the garden of disenchantment like right and mm-hmm. people would people would say that perhaps it is the colonial rationality or or enlightenment rationality that have taught us to think of our world as as disenchant, disenchanted where everything is explainable mm-hmm. uh, and that's why I think the, with the rise of this spectral turn lot of people and not only in philosophy or critical theory clearly they're in, negatively in, correlated aren't they I mean this in, in, sense even of in rationality hist- historians and... they are thinking of a more antinomial coexistence of, of enchantment and disenchantment within mm-hmm. the scope of modernity Mm. and mm. not only from a particularly say non-western position a lot of mm. people are writing how the western modernity itself is 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 al- already uh, sort of uh, connected to the que- idea of enchantment and there i think they're trying to revisit ideas of magic or super other forms of supernatural or or and of course of course ghost Mm-hmm. Terrific. So, Shubhadeep, why don't we travel to a slightly different world, if, if you're all right with that, to the world of cinema and films. And um, it, it does have its ebb and flow again. It kind of comes into popular imagination and then goes away. Um, and cinema by itself is is a magical medium. It, it, it wasn't there until a few decades ago in, in the current form. 
um how do you think of that how do you think of the two together it is it is an ultimately a very ghostly form is uh, perhaps we are so used to the form now we don't recognize that but if you even if you go back to a re- read about the audience reaction during the early phase of cinema or moving pictures yeah the lumiere brothers uh, they actually thought they are they are supernatural figures and mm. uh, again if i can borrow a beautiful phrase from derida in one of the film it's it's a very different kind of film it's a part documentary part feature where derida is interviewed by one of his uh, f- f- favorite students and he says that cinema is the art or technology of bringing the ghosts of ghosts back on screen yeah <laughs> he specifically talks about cinema so and this is and cinema i think this this cinema as a spectral medium is also connected to the idea where where ghost in the machine technology uh, yeah. is is such a spectral concept yeah uh, that and you mentioned industrial revolution i'm talking about uh, more 19th century uh, late 19th century early 20th century there is uh, literally paranoia that that ghosts exist in the in the machine and of course in in cinema yeah yeah uh, so sometimes i think that the cinematic consciousness is ultimately a very spectral consciousness for <laughs> think that we enter a theater for 2 3 hours do we ever when when we are enjoying a film like we rarely we may come out and say that it was just make believe but when we are watching we momentarily forget that these are not real figure uh, it may sound vague but sure uh, it, it's a very ghostly medium i'm talking sure. about the sure medium itself but more textual uh, it's it's a different discussion let's talk about the ghost as the character in films um why does it go away when it go away and why does it come back <laughs> when it come back this like i'm more familiar in this context about indian cinema of sure. course i have uh, like i i am i'm very much interested in the ghostly figure in japanese film i i think of all the regional of all the national cinemas japanese cinema is most obsessed with with the ghost figure do they get it right i would stay away from answering that question <laughs> from right or wrong but sure. but i it's a, it's a post uh, post hiroshima post second world war japanese cinema i think when japanese society was particularly struggling to emerge as an industrial uh industrial heavyweight nation but at the same time the traces of its feudal past were yeah. pers- were persisting so you get to see the emergence of ghost Uh, in a in a seriously serious way in japanese cinema but in indian cinema's context ghosts uh, i can say there are broadly three four, four phrase, phases mm-hmm. one i would call the nehruvian ghost uh, the 1950s nehruvian ghost sure uh, mahal kohora i'm mainly talking about uh, bombay film industry mm-hmm. uh, madhumati mm-hmm. so it's the nehruvian rationality you will see uh, with the exception of madhumati in lot of films where there's a resolution it's, towards it's the a, end and yeah, you know yeah it's sure. a rational conclusion alt after all that the ghosts don't exist <laughs> the trauma exist exists trauma of partition trauma of separation but the trauma does not necessarily 
express itself in ghostly figure through ghostly sure. figure so sure. there is a rational i think that can be put in a dialogue with the nehruvian rationality during that time sure. it's only i think madhumati which like inspired a number of sequels or versions like i think kurz and more recently sharuk khan's uh, om shanti om right where a real ghost real or a ghost ex- appears there is yeah. a ghost yeah and i think that's something to do with the story writer ghato ghato was interested in this idea of enchantment uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh he was a marxist in his political life but he also at the same time was very interested in in this the figure of the irrational so after that nehruvian phase i think by late 60s 70s ghosts in indian cinema are becoming characters of b grade films they disappear from the mainstream cinema mm-hmm. more or less uh, i'm talking mainly about late 70s 80s ramsey brothers films what would you ascribe that to uh this i i i honestly speaking uh, i can talk about the ramsey brothers but why ghosts become b grade cinema characters i have been grappling with that question and i i am not very sure what is happening Sure. We'll like I, I can say, like I, I, I can give, like okay, there was too much of rationalization. That's why they became big red. I think there is much. But that's more the tautological kind of thing. Uh, there yeah, can be a yeah. more sophisticated explanation behind it. And just the last, yeah. Sure. What would you say, Shortmishta? Why do ghosts vanish from screen for a couple of decades? Uh, well, uh, just before that, I want to make that connection with ghosts and Japanese cinema. You know, Please. it's very interesting that uh, Kurosawa's Throne of Blood. Uh, he he doesn't have the three witches. He just has this one witch-like uh, figure, this old woman, and she's and witches. Th- to be clear, are not ghosts. No, but then they do disappear in Macbeth. You know, <laughs> and they do have their women, but they have beards. So again, they're straddling. Two the worlds. familiar and the unfamiliar, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. Right. The okay. male, the female, the presence, sure. the non-presence. Uh, so this woman is spinning what actually looks like a reel of film, you know, as she is making the, oh. the mm. you know, the the predictions to uh, Washizu. I think is the Macbeth character, and uh, also there's this recent Bengali film called Bhuter Bhobishot. Uh-huh. which is very interesting there's this struggling filmmaker who wants to make a film and the ghosts haunting this particular house that he's using for a location crowdsource the film for him they <laughs> they get the money for the film for him because they want him to tell their story you know so it's uh, which it's is also a, set against this globalization i think yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the yeah, last yeah, phase i right, wanted to right. wanted to mention that in post 90s after the economic liberalization ghosts make a roaring comeback in india mm. first through cable tv shows and now in mm-hmm. in films mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. look at bombay film industry they are churning out one a- ghost films one after the other and they are no longer b grade films as mm. they were in 80s mm. yeah but yeah. what i find interesting is its reappearance in cable tvs satellite television uh uh which is a hallmark of globalization globalization like yeah, yeah. for if you see doordarshan if anybody still watches doordarshan doordarshan still <laughs> stays away from supernatural mm. but z sony all these 
where where a transnational capital is involved and it's like mark <laughs> marx was talking about ghosts in one through in the context of one phase of capitalism mm. and there is this another generation of ghosts coming back in late capitalism the, yeah in the in the phase of late capitalism where the center of capital cannot be located anymore and perhaps even if they are appearing on indian tv screens perhaps these ghosts are cannot be located a- anymore it's a, it's a, it's i find that 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 in at least in popular media this this sudden emergence of ghosts really really uh, interesting and it's not just the indian media i mean look at shows like supernatural mm-hmm. you know or the walking mm-hmm. dead mm-hmm. i mean they, i think there is this you know when you were talking about magic there is this attempt made to bring some kind of unknowableness some kind of enchantment we back. bring it upon ourselves almost yeah back yeah. into you know our lives back are otherwise too, too explainable too <laughs> sterile too explainable you know too too hygienic yeah. so they they need the kind of pollution of otherworldliness you know I, it it's like an infection that has to seep into this yeah Yeah like there is a there is a book called Ghosts of Modernity by Jean Michel Rebatte and he's there is a beautiful line there that, and he's saying that can we think of ghosts without turning ourselves I'm paraphrasing without turning ourselves into phantoms right uh, perhaps mm. we do have that phantomatic desire about ourselves we mm. perhaps we don't want to remain as solid as we are and right. and that's why you're saying that we we are bringing it upon ourselves not mm-hmm. i'm not saying it's a bad thing or mm-hmm. not but perhaps as as the indian life or or a large part of life it's not only an indian context the the, the spread of neoliberal economies the spread of global capitalism expands we are expressing a desire to to find that residue that perhaps escapes that 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 expanse but escapes that that reach of uh, i think the capitalism. question in different kind of way and hopefully it's it's a decent question is that the sense of agency is for example if you look at uh, shakespeare hamlet we've spoken about that a few times i mean other interpretations going around which which imagine the ghost as they imagined i mean i meant i know you mentioned that yeah, as the dramatist person a but yeah as a as a part of hamlet's own imagination or, yes. yeah uh, see in the initial scenes other characters can see the ghost but mm. when the ghost appears in gertrude's bedroom only hamlet can see it mm. and gertrude keeps saying you know why are you making faces why are you it's the same with macbeth and banquo's ghost Right. As soon as Macbeth, after having got rid of Banquo in the banquet scene, says, "I wish our dear friend Banquo were present," who walks in but this bloody figure of Banquo <laughs> that only Macbeth can see. Right. And this right. is also, you know, this sort of hectic Celtic imagination that has seen the air-drawn dagger. You know, is this a dagger I see before me? He says before he's about to kill uh, Duncan, and Lady Macbeth is wondering what dagger. You know, there's nothing in front of you. Just go and kill the man. So uh, there, there is this thing about the Shakespeare's tragic protagonist that they always see more than other people around them. Mm. You know, and mm. so maybe it's a product ghosts, of their imagination. Yeah, seeing ghosts mm. could be a way of expressing that to a lay audience. you know who are these people who always just because it's know? a part of sense making almost right mm. it's, it's a part of making meaning it's a part of meaning maintenance mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. it's it's interesting interesting what's the future of ghosts shubhadeep clearly we seem to keep bringing it upon ourselves it 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 is 
um 100 years out 200 years out 1000 years out um um is it likely to be there in our imagination at all uh, i think i'll go back to the question you asked shormishtha few minutes back do you believe in spectral what do you think of spectral i think uh, <laughs> if i can step out of the philosophical <laughs> discussion personally i do think that the ghosts will will keep haunting us we they are haunting us right here right now uh, so and i wouldn't i would stay away from giving a tangible trajectory of ghosts 500 years mm. down the road but uh i think we need to live with the with with the acknowledgement that there is something we 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 don't they do exist but we we cannot grasp and that's the future of ghost if that answers your, your can a can a rational hyper rational mind experience the spectral that's the thing that hyper rational minds have have tried to if not understand but at least dismiss the idea of ghost yeah uh, i think uh, i was mentioning the frankfurt school like that for for decades especially from 1940s to 1990s there was a dismissal of ghosts or spirits in 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 continental philosophy i i remember uh, adorno's one sentence in minima moralia where he says that spirits don't exist right conclusive judgmental one and and everything these whatever they are they are elements of pre pre modern uh, animism if mm. if we go back it will undo all that we have learned from enlightenment or or foucault saying that it's the soul that imprisons the body and not the body that imprisons the soul right you know we have right. to yes. get rid of any non materialistic way of looking at the world that's right. what's imprisoning us So, yeah right. so i i personally i i i am uncomfortable and that's why i have started i started thinking about these things i am uncomfortable in that kind of hyper rational dismissal of of specter of the specter or the ghost because you can dismiss something only when it is exists exists mm-hmm. it exists or does not exist so it goes back to that yes no binary mm-hmm. i and i think in our discussion what it's coming that, up that it no, is that, precisely something that's a very clever like, trick that the spectral has played upon the other right because if if you say that it don't exist and you exist but don't exist i mean what is one supposed to do with a conception like that but that that's how it sort of stretches you know your imagination because how do you think of something that exists and doesn't exist simultaneously yeah you know yeah. how yeah. how does it challenge our settled notions of ontology Yeah, you know, as he Our, said, ontology as opposed to ontology. Yeah, I I just have this wonderful quotation from Derrida that I I want to share with both of you. Uh, this is from that same you know specters of Marx. Uh, they are always there, he says, specters. If they do not exist, even if they are no longer, even if they are not yet, they give us to rethink the there. as soon as we open our mouths <laughs> even if they are no longer even if they are not yet you know so ghosts of the future not just ghosts in the past but what's the future shormishtha <laughs> i think the future is a greater sensitivity to liminal spaces exactly you know that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. what the spectral uh, encourages us to think of uh, rather rather than thinking thinking in terms of hard and fast binaries and also 
kind of acknowledging an uncertainty about ourselves shormishta mm-hmm. in the beginning of this session brought up the question of language mm-hmm. that perhaps we don't have a language to to represent certain things we 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 that that linguistic signification and we we are perennially caught in that incomplete ling- linguistic signification and specter the future of the spec or if we finally acknowledge a futurity but of the but other 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 ways and modes of understanding it outside of language shubhadeep that's the that's the i think that's what the from the ter- move from structuralism to post structuralism happens that 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 acknowledgement that there is something that exists beyond the scope of scope of language that mm. early the thought was there was no idea beyond language but there can be an idea beyond language and mm. specter is per- particularly that kind of uh, i think that kind of figure if i can just uh, say one uh, one of my most favorite stories i have also written about is tegor's khudito uh, pashan mm. hungry stones mm. mm-hmm. uh, so there is this figure of ghostly figure of 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 an persian woman who haunts but also at the same time a a mad man meherali who keeps shouting around sab jhoot hai that means everything is false everything is false and when asked what is false meherali he never answers <laughs> so because if once he answers it's no longer the spectral because it is it is it's it now it's language captured by language yeah it has yeah. a body now yeah so i do think that 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 is the futurity of ghost will make remind us again and again of that uncertainty of that limitation that's the future of ghosts for me i mean and think of the visual and the auditory you know think of a particular kind of music that always comes on when you have a haunted house being shown and you know non verbal signification of the uncanny how is it being done and yeah. and and you know somehow we seem to be implying that the ghost is of course we're using words like uncanny uh, is there a good ghost good within quotes i think the ghost attacks these notions of goodness and badness doesn't it because you know i think both of us are trying to say that you can't if you can categorize the ghost then it loses some of its uh, resonance if you can sufficiently and completely categorize it it is there a good ghost shubhadeep in that sense there are good ghosts in 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 at least literature and cinema there are like the film which is based on a novel uh satyajit ray's gupika in baghabai and it's mm. a very generous ghost yeah. ghost uh there are uh, what i find interesting southeast asian lot of in southeast asian cinema taiwan indonesia philippines there are lot of good ghosts and they are making uh perhaps it's a bit beyond our scope of discussion today uh an interesting connection between the specter and the hospitality hospitality again is, a very again a very dedian concept Deridian. where you see uh, in film after film ghosts come they are like house guests they are sitting with you at the dining table people mm. are serving food to it <laughs> and beyond southeast asia there was a recent film in australia called baba duke which is a very small small budget independent film became a major success again the same thing the first half of the film the the inhabitants of the house is tormented by the but by the end of it the ghost becomes a house guest where the lady 
every day goes to the basement and puts out a, a bowl of food for the ghost so something is happening uh, hospitable hospitality or a hospitable is it possible ghost. to live with the ghosts ghosts of the past ghosts of the future obviously it is, one it does it is almost impossible to live mm, without, without the ghost them. let me let me mm. put it that way mm. it's impossible to live without the ghost of the past or future interesting interesting dickens is christmas carol you know ghost of christmas past ghost of christmas present ghost of christmas future mm. telling scrooge that you cannot in fact live without this otherworldly vision of the ghost you know the, mm. these visitations completely change scrooge by the end of the tale and he and you know taking a slightly different turn again are there cultures without the notion of the ghost at all why why do some cultures why do some um why do some regional literature some of them are very heavy on ghosts and they mm. uh i i i don't think i can make that gradation like for example north america america mm. if if it if it claim i'm claims to be the most rational world today like everything is if you see in american literature there are people with ghosts of native american people mm. uh and i think it connects to the topic i mentioned in the beginning that it's not they are not explicitly talking about any any social violence but i think why native americans ghost uh, appear in a particular phase of american literature it's that sense of guilt it's that sense of trauma of this uh displacing of 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 stealing their land right uh, that that aboriginal people uh, you see aboriginal people's ghosts in australian literature in fact if you come to so uh, you're saying the tormentor is suffering from trauma there yes uh, so i i don't at least i don't know of any particular general culture national or social culture where ghosts don't exist at all or, uh, or as a notion as a notion one of the most famous contemporary ghosts would be tony morrison's beloved yes you yeah. know the child killed by her own mother yeah. who yeah. comes back and is an abiding presence in in the book so it's very interesting that native american black american these are the writers apart from edgar allan poe these are the writers who talk about ghosts you know the 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 traumatized cultures are the ones talking about ghosts rather than the mainstream wasp you know sort of city bred american uh, poe being the only exception edgar allan Thank you so much to all of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again. Thank you. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank, Thank you. you. It was a pleasure.